All right, James, time to put your legal hat on. Give us the disclaimer. This podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not doctors, but rather we're just trying to educate the general public to be better informed in their well-being decisions. Pop quiz. What are you not? A doctor. I've handsome. You're also not a doctor, <laughs> so you pass. Uh, if you're considering medical cannabis prescription, make sure to speak to a doctor. Welcome, Johnny, back to the podcast. We're here for episode eight, uh, Cannabis Research, What's Going On Behind the Scenes. I'm here with James. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, Johnny, something that I, I, I personally want to know just from a canvas research perspective is what are we actually talking about here? I think in the scientific community to the layman like myself, the word research means so many different things. Like what are we actually talking about in the context of cannabis research? Right. So there's a lot going on in the research space in terms of cannabis and they, uh, there are different aspects to um, how companies approach research. Um, they are, at the moment, because in Australia, most of the cannabis companies are startups, the budget for research and development is not very big. So they do some small projects internally, but most of the research is happening externally with partners so they partner with universities or labs to run trials or to investigate certain aspects of the plant um, and in-house they're quite limited in uh in what they do so in-house um it depends on what type of company we're, we're talking about but say we're talking about a company that produces its own medicinal cannabis then they would be performing internal research to um, determine the best practices, the best cultivation practices um, to get the most yield out of their plants. So they would be improving things like their lighting systems, um, their scheduling systems, their, um, their fertilizing, and then their nutrient systems. All of that stuff would be would be done in-house to try and improve that yield. And I think we touched on in previous episodes all the different components of what happens in a cultivation operation um, for cannabis. So there's all these little steps along the way that can be refined and, and optimised. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's probably not a coincidence that the episode on cultivation went for an hour and a half. Like there's, <laughs> there's, uh, there's clearly a couple steps to the cultivation process. It, it, it's probably worth asking, Johnny, if I'm a chair manufacturer, I'm probably not allocating too much budget toward R&D. I just make chairs, sell them, call it a day. Mm. So why, why is it in the cannabis space that research is something even given the fact a lot of companies in Australia are smaller scale startups, it's an early industry. So, you know, they don't have that much budget to be investing in research, but they, they clearly are. Why is it something yeah. that, that matters in this space more than others? Um, so because it is such a uh, an early booming industry, a lot of companies want to get a competitive advantage and they want to be the first to market with new cannabis products that, are going to be popular among um, uh, and and beneficial to patients. 
So there is a bit of a race on at the moment to try and get um, the best product out there. And that entails a lot of research and development to work out what are the gaps in the market, how can things be improved, and uh, how um, what kind of trials are needed to improve those products and, and um, delivery systems. So um, the other aspect to research and development is government. Now, government does help the, these startup companies in a couple of ways. Firstly, we have bodies like in Victoria that uh, like Agriculture Victoria, who are a government body and they um, they have their own uh, cannabis research budget. So they perform a lot of the cannabis research and they have developed proprietary strains or cultivars um, of cannabis that they can then sort of lease out to um, companies who are, who are looking to grow uh, medicinal cannabis in Victoria. So that's one way government is involved. That, that kind of research body can also help companies in terms of guiding them about uh, best practices, but they're kind of limiting uh, what they can, they can help out with. Um, they can also help with extraction technologies too, which is something that we'll touch on a bit later in another episode. Um, but that uh, comes into play when it, towards the back end of the pipeline where you're trying to work out um, which products you're going to uh, uh, use for oils and topicals and uh, products like that. Um, the other way that government steps in, and this is a pretty interesting one, is that they provide, the federal government provides a research and development tax incentive for companies. And this is in the form of a rebate on their payable uh, tax. So the way it works is there are a number of uh, research activities that a cannabis company can perform to develop products. And uh, those uh, activities have a certain expenditure. And then uh, they, the cannabis company can apply to the federal government to get a rebate on that expenditure. So the point of it is to help encourage research and development in the space. And it's also to help young companies with limited budgets um, to perform sort of advanced research and, um, and, and therefore propel the whole industry forward in terms of technology and, and research and development. So where I would think the government may be holding Australia back in like the world of medical cannabis, uh, there's a whole side that they're actually pushing forward the research and trying to yeah. grow the industry as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so when you think about it, it's really taxpayers who are helping propel the industry. And every time you see or hear about a cannabis company doing research, you can probably bet that it's going to be taxpayers who are helping at least partially to fund that bill. 
So what we really want to see is cannabis companies undertaking research that is uh, has a high chance of turning into products that are going to be helpful for patients. So it's kind of like an investment that taxpayers are giving to see a benefit back um, in terms of maybe one day they'll be a patient of medicinal cannabis and they can benefit from that research and development. Um, yeah. And is, is, is the idea, Johnny, that the functionally by discounting research or subsidizing research that the entire industry is in 10 years time able to have more cost effective supply chain is, 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 is the idea ultimately that we want higher quality, more affordable medical cannabis medicines available. And that's what this, this research is trying to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's trying to encourage companies to undertake research and development to boost the industry as a whole. So the way it works is that if you um, have a, an annual turnover of less than $20 million, then you will get a, a rebate of 48.5% of your research and development expenditure. So that's nearly half of your um, money that you spent as a company on research and development you will get that back as a tax rebate. Now, if you have an annual turnover of over uh, $20 million, so you're a, a little bit bigger of a company, then there's the, the, the rebate that you get um, is dependent on how much you spend. So the more you spend, the higher the rebate you get. Um, but there is a limit. All right, there's a there's a limit. You can, it's not just an endless pit of of rebate. But <laughs> the, yeah, the, the point is that uh, it can that that they're trying to encourage more spending on research and development. Um, so that's another way that the government steps in to help um, companies boost their research and development. And, uh, you know, that now we can sort of talk about more about what types of research is, uh, a company is doing, which so is the more interesting part. <laughs> yeah. so, so just just to make sure that, that I've understood correctly, the, yeah, the sure. types of research that companies uh, typically perform, there's, there's internal uh, R&D that they conduct. They'll often partner with universities as a second form, or they'll work with whether it's the state or federal government. Is that is that correct? So when we're talking R and D in the medical yeah. cannabis space in Australia, that's the kind of program or initiative that we're talking about. Yeah, and usually companies are doing all of that, a little bit of everything. Right. Can Can I ask as well with unis? Uh, might be a naive yeah. question, but I'm so interested. Uh, being a Swinburne alumni, I uh, heard. I think through through Tom Brown at Honolulu that he uh, he was interviewing them for doing um uh, I think it was like the drug driving like a, a drug driving research but uh, yeah who who at the unis are doing it? is is it current students is it alumni uh, who's are they using the facilities and doing it oh, like yes, do, it's, do, it's, do, a, it's a do research you know? you're doing at the moment with your PhD yeah so um so for yeah I am one of those students there I, you go. <laughs> shout yeah. out Johnny <laughs> yeah. I'm a student at La Trobe University and um, I work with industry to, uh, to research their cultivars. Um, so the way, but I don't, um, you know, there's obviously my professor 
who runs the whole lab, they um, they have agreements with the industry partners. And this is pretty common in science. There's always um, projects going on, scientific projects that have industry partners. And um, I think that's a good thing because it means that, um, that we're using the research capabilities of the universities from the public sector or semi-public sector to funnel back into industry um, really high-tech knowledge and research abilities to to then which will then feed back into um, you know the public space and everyone should be the beneficiaries of of that um, so that's the same way it works with uh, medicinal cannabis uh, like I said, medicinal cannabis companies don't have a huge budget for research and development. So what they can do to bolster that area of their company is partner with a university, uh, with a particular lab who is interested in conducting certain research regarding medicinal cannabis. So that kind of research can, can be different depending on what type of lab it is or what type of research. So in my case, my lab is focused on plant biotechnology. So we look at uh, the genetics of the plant. Um, and uh, and um, there are other labs who may be looking more into the clinical uh, therapeutic benefits of the plant. So that's a whole different ball game um, where you're doing clinical trials on different products that the plant has produced whereas um there's you know what i'm doing is i'm looking specifically at the plant i'm a plant scientist i'm a plant geneticist i do genetic engineering of plants but it's all for um to find out more about what genes are controlling the way that the cannabis plant produces its medicines um and when we know that information we can apply that in a real world setting and um and hopefully improve the medicine the medicinal benefits of of cannabis um so patients should see the the, the um the benefits of that eventually you know um which, which is probably a good segue then to the question of what kind of research activities are we actually performing because all this r&d sounds great it's clear there's a number of different channels available to, to companies, but what, what, what are the kind of uh, yeah. research activities that they're, they're, they're doing at the moment? Yeah, so the, the big one, I think, that in medicinal cannabis is we've heard of the entourage effect, and we know that cannabis, cannabis has over 120 cannabinoids within it. It produces over 120 cannabinoids, but we've really only researched the major ones like CBD and THC, which we've touched on in earlier episodes. Um, so there's a lot of other cannabinoids that are produced in sort of like trace quantities in the plant, and we really don't know much about them apart from a small handful. And in that small handful, we know that they also have therapeutic uh, benefits. For the, so one of the, for the benefit of the listener, Johnny, what are some of those yeah. other cannabinoids that, that you're alluding to here? 
Um, so they would be things like CBN. Uh, I won't go into the technical names because they're it's a, it's a lot uh, <laughs> just, yeah, abbreviations. Um, CBN, CBC, um, and also the precursors to THC and CBD, which are um, the acid forms THC acid and CBD acid. They also have therapeutic um, benefits and the major precursor to all the cannabinoids which is cbg cannabigerol and that is um, also known to have a lot of benefits uh, as as well um, i won't go into the you know specifics but just to give you an overview that there are a lot of different types of cannab cannabinoids in the plant um, and that's just really like I have barely scratched the surface mm. uh, naming those few right there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if we, if we ask you another question, we're going to get an, another hour and a half episode. <laughs> yeah. so I think we'll, we'll hold back. We'll hold back as much as we can. But, 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 but the point here being there's over 100 cannabinoids. A lot of yep. people now are familiar with CBD, THC and their effects. Yeah. However, there are so many cannabinoids with a variety of effects that we don't know anything about. And that's that's some of the research that's being done. Is that right? Yeah. So, so there's sort of two major things happening. So one is we are looking at all of these cannabinoids in individually and seeing what effects they have. But that's sort of in the broader context of what we really want is to try and formulate different um, blends of different cannabinoids to target specific illnesses in a more vigorous and robust way. Um, so that's kind of like the, um, you know, the golden pot at the end of the rainbow for cannabis <laughs> research is we want to develop strains um, that have specific chemical profiles that are best suited for specific illnesses. Now, we are obviously a really long way away from, from doing that because there are so many compounds and it um, it's really takes a long time to research all of those individually and then even more time to research blends of those and see which ones have the most effect. But it is, we are starting to, to get there. So, um, so a lot of the research is, is focused on finding strains with unique chemical profiles that could potentially um, have higher quantities of these minor cannabinoids that are in those trace amounts. So we're looking at different varieties with, um, with different cannabinoid quantities. That's one um, area of major area of research. The other one which we touched on is sort of more based at looking at the therapeutic effects of the cannabinoids and other compounds, um, such as terpenes, uh, which are responsible for the aroma and the flavor of the, um, of the flower, the cannabis flower. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of clinical trials going on. Um, so testing the efficacy and the safety of those medicinal cannabis products and they're, um, yeah, they're uh, in terms of um, treating specific illnesses. Um, and then the other two major areas are uh, improving delivery systems, uh, drug delivery systems. So 
we've, we've, we're now starting to see CBD products come out in different forms like capsules and powders and oils and um, even some specialised, uh, unique proprietary technology that is claimed to help boost absorption rates. You know, that's always the, the key feature is it's, um, you know, that this new delivery system is uh, has got a higher absorption rate. Um, so there's a lot of trials testing out new delivery systems. And uh, finally, improving um, the extraction and purification processes for cannabinoid compounds is also um, also another area of research that is that is ongoing. So there's quite a bit uh, there's quite a bit going on. Yeah. So from the perspective of a, a patient, it's feasible to to uh, connect the dots. You know, with with what you just explained, Johnny, that in ten years' time there will be specific strains that are recommended for certain conditions. The cannabis extraction and purification process will have been improved. So it's higher quality cannabis that, that, that is prescribed. The delivery systems that the um, suppliers will be using are more effective. So it'll be more price effective as well. And, and, and of course, it'll be safer and more, uh, safer and more efficacious. Yeah. So it sounds as though from a patient outcome perspective, these are all re- really good things to, uh, things to be hearing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yes. It sounds sounds all upside to me. With with what you said before, sorry, to, before you go, Chuck, when, when you mentioned the the, the, the frame, uh, phrasing uh, golden pot, wouldn't that be a fantastic name for a supplier, <laughs> like with a picture of a leprechaun and a little golden pot at the end of the rainbow? I thought yeah, that was genius. Future, future ideas. Like. <laughs> uh, Johnny, how likely do you think, is it like, is this a pipe dream? To, to, to think that in the future certain strains will be prescribed for certain conditions and patients will know exactly what, what makes sense. And to them. add to that, uh, to add to that potentially, we've said the whole time that um, overseas they are ahead of the game um, and I'm unsure if we'll touch on it, but uh, how surely we can almost look into a crystal ball and see where we've gone if people are ahead. So is Australia behind in research or have they modelled what other people were doing and added onto it? Um, how's it going with that? Um, yeah, so a couple of questions there. Um, it definitely is feasible um, in theory. <laughs> you, you always have to have something to aim for as a researcher um, and also as a company who are trying to develop new new products. You know, let's not beat around the bush. Yes, it's going to be good for patients, but and it's also going to be good for producers and, and um, pharmaceutical companies as well. That's why you have this arms race, you know, for, you know, this to get this competitive advantage and, and conduct this research because everyone wants to have the new newest best delivery system or the, the newest um, strain with the best chemical profile for a really, um, you know, a, a really common illness. Um, so that's definitely, it's definitely feasible. Um, in terms of what's happening overseas, um, I'm not, uh, hearing, uh, you know, that they're that much more advanced in terms of sort of, uh, developing this kind of product where there's tailored cannabinoid profile for specific illnesses. I think that's kind of like a worldwide, um, mm. uh, you know, aim. 
and um, something that labs worldwide uh, are going for. So as soon as one lab sort of makes a breakthrough, it kind of benefits everywhere, um, uh, every lab everywhere. Um, and uh, yeah, overseas in, in America, I think like in, in the Northern, uh, in North America, they're more advanced in terms of their legalization system and, um, you know, their recreational drugs, uh, le uh, you know, legal system. But in terms of research, uh, things are still a little bit difficult, especially in America where it's still federally uh, illegal. <laughs> so it does make things uh, um, difficult for researchers up there. But there's always new breakthroughs coming through and there's always new uh, cannabinoids being discovered. So it's like at the moment, we're kind of still in this discovery phase, I'd say. Um, so 10 years, maybe a bit too soon. <laughs> <laughs> it is fucking yeah. crazy, isn't it? I'm yeah. sitting here thinking like, I wonder what combination of cannabinoids will, will be optimal for pain. And, yeah. and, and you're kind of explaining, it's like, James, it might be a combination of cannabinoids we haven't even discovered yet. No. Like, yeah. like there we go. we're still discovering them. Um, yeah. Crazy. Any, anything you wanted to add before we move to the next part? Chuck? Nah, I think we're ready to go. Time's looking good. So, so for, uh, I suppose to, to tie a bow on, on, on the main topic today being cannabis research, we've talked about how it's done practically. We've talked about the, the research activities that are being performed it, it probably makes sense to have a discussion about the kind of end products that the research is currently trying to develop since at the end of the day, the, the objective here is to, to optimise the, the final end product. So, so what, what would you have to, to, to say to talk about that side of things, Johnny? Yeah, um, so the most popular uh, end product at the moment is uh, low-dose CBD product that helps with insomnia. And that's sort of uh, been uh, tested, you know, via a number of companies in Australia right now um, and over the past few months to try and find a, yeah, a, a product that can be purchased over the counter at the pharmacy um, that's got CBD in it and it's going to help you uh, get to sleep or stay asleep. Um, so that's a predominant one. But there's also uh, some other clinical trials going on um, regarding other, other conditions. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, pain is a big one. Uh, uh, the sleep as, as well, that, that's, a, that's a big one. Um, and there's a few other ones I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, I do know that there are uh, companies who do not specialize in growing medicinal cannabis but they specialize more in the clinical side of things so they're all about developing specific formulations and then running clinical trials to to test those out um, so at the moment there's a few phase two and phase three trials going on in the industry in australia um, and so we're going to hear about that kind of stuff um as the, the the next few months rolls on the other thing too is as i touched on before is innovative delivery systems so we're looking at uh products that can improve the absorption rates of the of the cbd and other cannabinoids 
And then finally, the uh, the other major type of uh, sort of end product is just uh, to improve our base knowledge of the plant. So in so sometimes in science, especially in academia at universities, uh, the research is not specifically to produce a new technology or a new product that can go to market. Most of the time, the research is to fill a knowledge gap. And because cannabis has been illegal for so long, mm. the research and our knowledge of the plant itself is lacking compared to other plants like tomato or even tobacco. <laughs> we really know a lot about tobacco um, that we don't know about cannabis. So there are a lot of gaps and um, there are a lot of labs, including my lab, who are trying to fill those those gaps just so that we can improve the knowledge base. Um, and it's not specifically for any type of um, end product. Yeah. When, when you say phase two and phase three, just really quickly, uh, do you mean is there it does it go to like phase five like is that what we're aiming for or what's what's, what's happening there yeah no uh so phase three is the the kind of like final phase okay cool yeah, yeah. i thought i thought so but i wasn't sure maybe it goes to phase 20 and you're excited phase three yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Phase no, good 10, question like, phase three is good it's yeah. like no there's, there's still yeah <laughs> and then, uh, one other point of clarity uh johnny when we talk about uh delivery systems i should have clarified this before we're talking about yeah. the dosage form is that right uh, yeah, exactly. So um, that you can have a lower dose, but still get the same effect because mm. you have a higher, uh, because that particular drug is being absorbed faster or in a higher, higher amount. So, um, and it can also um, mean that there's less side effects mm. as well. So if some something that is absorbed uh, faster may have less side effects than something that takes a long time to break down in, in the body. Um, so there's that aspect to it as well. And it's just a, a key selling point. You know, if you're if you go to the pharmacy and there's two CBD products and one is fast acting, it's kind of like painkillers, right? Yeah. <laughs> You, yeah. you you want to go for the one that's fast acting because it's going to be like, you know, 10, 15 minutes and your pain is going to subside. Like so the new, people- Nurofen's Avance or Zavance, whatever it is. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know what it does and I don't know if it's true, but <laughs> yeah. the placebo makes me think 15 minutes quicker. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah like that's, that's exactly, it's just how our minds exactly. work. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I wait 30 minutes. I know. Like 15 minutes. <laughs> Look how happy she looks in the advertisement. <laughs> Well, yeah, look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I reckon uh, we've, we've, we've done a pretty good job of, of answering the question, cannabis research, what actually are we talking about and what's going on behind the scenes? To, to recap where, we've, where we landed, we talked about how companies and producers cover R&D, um, the, the kind of research activities actually being performed and, and the end products that we're ultimately looking to achieve. I'll, uh, I'll now pass it across to Charlie for the jingle for interesting developments in the space. You? No, I'm just kidding. We don't have a jingle. I just wanted to see what you were going to do. We should have a jingle. Put me under the pump. I can add a jingle. You're going to have to remix that somehow. <laughs>